0: This resource is produced by Discipleship.org, championing Jesus' way of disciple-making. Attend the next National Disciple-Making Forum by registering at Discipleship.org. The following audio comes from the 2016 National Disciple-Making Forum. The theme this year was Culture Shift, Back to Jesus' Way of Disciple-Making. Discipleship.org brought together ten disciple-making organizations, all in one place, each organization hosting a different track. One of those ten tracks was hosted by Downline Institute and facilitated by Ariana Remsen. Here's audio content from their track called "Women Discipling Women."
1: Well, good. Well, um, I'm excited to have y'all. I think we'll, um, we're going to go ahead and get started because it's just about 8:15. Got one minute. Um, so what I'll do is I'll open this up in prayer, and then we're just going to kind of—it's—I have a lot of information, and so it's—it's it's normally close to, you know, an hour um, as we talk. And so what I'm going to try to do is go through some of it quickly. That way it also leaves time if you have questions that you really want to get answered um, that we can answer those or try to answer those anyway. So um, let me open this up in prayer and then we'll begin. Lord, we just thank you so much for today. It is a beautiful day. Um, I just am loving the fall weather, Lord, and just the sunshine. And as much as we're having a beautiful day here, I know so many around the world, Lord, are not. And so I just pray for all of those right now, those that are... um going through these um, storms and the hurricanes, Lord Jesus. Um, I know what that's like being from Louisiana. And so I just pray that um, you provide for them, you protect them, Lord Jesus, that you would be their security and their comfort during this time. And um, I just pray as we're here today, Lord, learning about you and just what it means to be a disciple and to disciple others and use our life to do that. I just pray that... Um, our hearts and our minds and our ears are just open and receptive to what you're teaching us, Lord Jesus, um, and that even as um, we answer questions and talk about different things, Lord, that you would teach us all, that you would be in the midst of our conversation um, today and every day throughout um, the rest of this conference and every session with every speaker and every attendee, Lord. We love you so much, and it's in your precious name that we pray, amen. Um, okay, just if you just if you don't know me, um, just to kind of give you a little bit of background, um, so I'm married to Robbie, who's the pastor here at Long Hollow, and we've been here for almost a year. We were in Chattanooga for seven and a half years before that, and then we're both from Louisiana, so born and raised in Louisiana. Um, Robbie went to seminary there. He pastored his first church there. Um, We lost everything in Hurricane Katrina, so there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of stuff there. But um, anyway, so we've been here in Tennessee for almost, what, nine, ten years now and have just loved it. And, um, you know, when Robbie and I met, we both of our testimonies. We have different testimonies, but they're both, um, we've both experienced the worst of the world. You know, um, what I mean? And so yesterday in the women's forum, I was using the verse, um, Luke 7:47, which says those who are forgiven much love much. And so be- I just knew that God had forgiven me of so much. Like I could not help, but share that and pass that on, um, with other women. And so I began doing that even, As I became a believer, I was a believer for three years before I met Robbie and just was serving in the local church and just had a passion to just share, you know, share about the Lord and share what he had done in my life and and that sort of thing. So I started on this journey of discipleship before I really knew what I was doing. You know, it was just a desire of my heart um, to share God's love with others. And then that evolved just over the years. And then, Robbie, you know, God brings Robbie and I together and his whole story of discipleship and who was in his life and we met as he he had been a believer for one year when we met and so our hearts were just knit together in that um, in that ministry and in that area um, from the very beginning and so as we dated we spent a summer apart the first we, we dated for two months and we lived an hour and a half apart so we would travel and see each other on the weekends and i would stay at his parents house he would stay at my parents house and that's how we dated for a couple months and then he went away for three months to be the pastor of Glorietta, and so during that three months time that he was gone was my first discipleship group, Um, as much as I knew to do. um, I was meeting with a group of women, and then Robbie got back, he proposed, and then we got married like four months later, so it was very fast-paced, but we just were doing this from the very beginning um, of our calling um, from the Lord into salvation, and then ever since, so it's evolved, and it's... um, We've learned as we've gone throughout the years what's effective, what has not been effective for us, and that sort of a thing. And so he likes to say we've paid the dumb tax for a lot of people because we've been doing this for a while. And um, But not to say, I want you to know from the front that everything I tell you today, there's going to be some things that are essential that need to be there, but then there's also going to be some things that, your groups don't have to look exactly like my groups. You know, we always say that discipleship is reproducible, not repeatable. So it doesn't have to be a cookie cutout, although you will pass along a lot of what someone has invested into you into someone else. And so know that this is not like verbatim, you have to do these things. A lot of these things that we're going to be talking about are suggestions and kind of like, you know, um, guardrails, guidelines. To help you come up with what you feel is effective in your church for your women or your group. So, just kind of want to kind of say that um, from the beginning. But um, I have always believed that being a disciple and discipleship is a lifestyle, Um, it is something that overflows from your own personal life and your own personal walk with the Lord every single day. It's just you can't help but share what God is doing um, in your life. And so I say that that comes from three major sources in your life. It comes from God's word. It comes from God's work in your life and what I call God's wonder, which is the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so we're going to talk about each of those um, because that's the background where we get anything to invest in. You know, you have to have these three things in your life in order to invest um, in others. If you Does anybody need a packet? Everybody, everybody's got one? Okay, good. Um, so I've, I've made these slides. If you want to take notes, you can. If not, then you have some of that there um, for you. But God's Word. Okay, so there is a, a quote by Antoine de Saint-Exubery. It's included in your, in your notes there. It says, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood. Don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. And if you teach them to long for the sea, building a ship is just going to come. It's going to be natural. And so that is kind of how I view discipleship. It is my job as the leader of the group um, to create in those ladies or help to create an atmosphere where they fall in love with God's word. I want them leaving any time that we've spent together, whether it's a year or 18 months, having a strong passion and a desire for the Word of God because that is the only thing that is going to change our life. It's going to be God's Word um, through His Spirit. that ha- That's how we're transformed. And so I want everybody walking away with that desire to where they think to themselves, I can't imagine not being in God's Word. I can't imagine not meeting with a, a small group of women. Like, I just can't imagine my life without this. And so in Robbie's book Growing Up, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or if you've read it, but he uses... Um, an illustration of a guy named Robert Sumner. And Robert Sumner was injured in an explosion and was left with no eyesight. And so he was obviously distraught and wanted to be able to read the Bible. So he had ordered the Bible in Braille. And so he was going to learn to read the Bible in Braille because he couldn't see. So he gets the Bible and he realizes that because of this explosion, he doesn't even have feeling in his fingertips. So he can't read it with his fingertips. And so he holds the Bible up to his lips, and he thinks, maybe I can read the Bible in Braille with my lips and um, realizes he has no feeling in his lips. And so he would put the Bible down and just be discouraged, like, how am I going to do this? And then one day he raises it up to his mouth, thinking maybe it's come back, maybe I've got feeling, and his tongue slips out. Mm -hmm. And he realizes he has feeling in his tongue. Mm -hmm. And so at the time that the original Author had used this illustration. Robert Sumner had read the Bible with his tongue four times, and so I remember reading that and thinking, "You have got to be kidding me!" Like had I? And he read the Bible in its entirety four times with his tongue, and I thought, "Have I even read the Bible once in its entirety?" You know, and I thought, "This you know, this cannot be." You know, I I don't want to be standing next to Robert Sumner in heaven. And at that point, he's read 40 times with his tongue. And, you know, here I am, like, what have I done? And so it just totally changed my outlook on reading God's Word. And so at that point, I started reading God's Word in its entirety every year. And I would do this with, with the girls in my discipleship group. And then in one time we did an 18-month, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But I just, and every year at the end of the year, we had finished on, like, December, the last day of December. And I'd go to Robbie, and I'd say, I've got one. If I'm next to Robert Sumner in glory, I'm going to be able to say, I've read it once at this point, you know, and then every year I'd say, I've got two, you know, and I'd tell him because I was like, you know, I just had this. And you know, when you're spending time in God's word, the more you do that, the more you're heart and your passion grows for that and you want to do that and so it just was changing for me and you know we know all the scriptures you know Isaiah 55 10 and 11 for as the rain and snow comes down from heaven and does not return there it waters the earth and brings forth and sprout gives bread to the the sower and seed to the you know I'm, I'm getting it confused but it tells you that God's word doesn't return void Um, and, and so using God's word is what's going to change our life. It's living and active. I tell the girls that all the time, it's living and active, it's living and active. Like I repeat it, it's breathing, it's doing something, it's alive. And so just having that desire for God's word, um, is so crucial and so important. So we have God's word. That's what we're drawing from that. What we know of it, what we're learning of it. We're drawing from that as we invest in others. And then you have God's work. Um, God's work is also God's will. It's it's what he has allowed to happen in your life. It's what he is still allowing to happen and the things that he's doing even on an everyday basis. And so I have a question there. What has God already done? And what I like the ladies to realize is there are things that God's allowed in your life and experiences that are very unique to you. Not everybody's going to go through those, but there are going to be a lot who do. And so remembering what, what has he already done and reflecting on that, and then I think sometimes we have to remind ourselves what he's done. And then, I mean, we have a responsibility with what we've gone through to share that with other people. And I mentioned this yesterday if you were in the Women's Forum, but we always we have a saying where we say the gospel was headed to you because it was heading to someone else. And I always say your life experiences are not just for you, but what if they're the benefit of someone else? And so things have happened to you, and God's taught you great, wonderful lessons and that sort of thing, but that's also for other people that he's going to use you as a platform for, you know, what you're going through. And, um, you know, I have just a, a couple of examples. One I was thinking about, um, this morning even. So I lost, we, my husband and I lost everything in Hurricane Katrina in 05, We were newly married, not even married a year. And, um, so that was very, you know, life changing. <laughs> and, um, and we were from Louisiana, so it wasn't like we were unfamiliar with hurricanes, but, um, this one, obviously, you know, was a doozy, and so, um, so we lose everything, and his parents lost everything, his sister lost everything, his hometown was demolished, and um, so that, it, it really, it changed the course of our life, because at that point, Robbie was an evangelist, an itinerant ministry, and we would travel on the weekends, and um, it was through Hurricane Katrina that God birthed a desire for Robbie to pastor, so our whole ministry was changed. Um, His parents got saved as a result of Hurricane Katrina, and um, so did his sister. So I mean, when you look back, now, was it hard going through it? Absolutely. I mean, it it was very challenging. But fast forward to a couple months ago, my parents lose everything in the flooding in Louisiana. So my parents had not been affected by Katrina. We had actually evacuated to their house. And so never did I know all these years later that now my parents, you know, at 70 years old, are going through the same thing I went through, you know, 11 years ago. And so because of that, I have been able to help walk them through some of what they're feeling and experiencing right now. So it's like there's so many layers to what God allows to happen in our lives, and I want women to understand that is to be used you know granted when you're going through it you might not be able to use it it's a season where you need someone pouring into you and ministering to you but at some point there's going to come a time where God is going to use that in your life you know and um, and for you to invest and pour into someone else and so God's will God's work in your life is meant to pass on Um, I was talking to a, a sweet friend of mine one time and we were talking about this and just the process of discipleship and about how You know, God's will in your life is his work in your life and and pouring that on. And she said, yeah, you need to be a good steward, you know, of what God has given you. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like I had not thought of, you know, when you think of the word steward, you normally think of money, like your stewardship and your tithe. But do we stop and think that we have a responsibility with what God's done in our life to pass that on, to be a good steward of that? And I thought that, was a, that just changed. I was like, man, that is just such a good way to put that. Be a good steward of what God has done and what God has given you um, because it could be, you know, for the benefit of someone else. Um, you know, another thing I think to remember about God's work in our life and about about his will is that obviously, you know, things happen that we don't. They don't feel good. They're hurt. They, they hurt. Um, they challenge us and they stretch us. But I had a light bulb go off one day. We are in discipleship, and our oldest son, he's just turned eight, when he was three and a half, four, we knew that there were some challenges that need to be looked into. He was having some some issues. And so when um, we started going through a process of having him evaluated, and so that's, if you've ever been there, or you have someone in your family that that's happened to, you know, it can be, it's very challenging, um, it, you know, for a mom, especially, you know, and um, so we, we were thinking that they were gonna come back and tell us he was on the autistic spectrum, you know, um, based on some things that were going on. And so I'm trying to figure out, okay, what does this mean? What is this going to look like for us? And, and all these things. And this light bulb goes off when I'm in discipleship. Okay, God's will for rig is God's will, and God's will can't be wrong. And so it was like, that's all I needed to remind myself. Okay, this is his will. His will cannot be wrong for rig. So if this is his will for rig, it's right. Um, and I think we need to be reminded of that sometimes. Like, yes, it's going to hurt, and it is going to be not what we expected. Um, in some ways, but this is God's will for our life or for our children's life. And, you know, we're gonna accept that and we're gonna grow, and we're gonna use it. And I mean, I can't tell you throughout that first year, I don't wanna spend too much time here cause it's like a whole nother um, story, but um, they came back, he was not on the autistic spectrum, but they did diagnose him with sensory processing disorder and ADHD. And so if you're familiar with sensory processing, it looks very similar and you go through a lot of the similar things. But um, anyway, um, I forget where I was going with that, but, oh, no. So a dear friend of mine who I didn't even know at the time, okay, was in, had a child in Riggs class at school. And at that point, we were at Brainerd Baptist in Chattanooga, and so he was in Brainerd Baptist school. There was a school, and that's where he was going to school. He was in K-4, and there was a little girl in the K-4 class. And um, I had no idea. You know, I didn't know a lot of the parents yet. We were into the new school year, so it wasn't like we had had a lot of time to get to know everybody. And so I'm going through all this, going to the doctors and having the evaluations and very emotional and that sort of thing. And um, I came back from a doctor's appointment with him one day, and I get this email out the blue um, from a mom in Riggs' class who just felt, she knew I was the pastor's wife, so she felt that I wouldn't judge her for what she was about to tell me. So she goes on through this long list of her daughter, and how her daughter's in Riggs' class, they're having a lot of trouble with her. Um, she's been diagnosed with Asperger's and just all this thing. So she's she's saying all this stuff, and I'm in just crying in my car because every word, it's like I'm living. She's living my life right now. Like we, th- I could have wrote this email, and um, she has no idea, no clue that Riggs going through this. God just led her to re, you know send me this email um, because she thought I wouldn't judge her, you know. And it's like, and then so I, I immediately like emailed her back, and I'm like, you're just never going to believe that, you know, this is, I'm going through this with Rig, you know, and anyway, her and I ended up just becoming just great friends, but, you know, God was using her. God was using me. We've encouraged each other over the years. She was in my discipleship group um, not too long after that, and it's just realizing the work that he's already done, and and that's a litany of things in everybody's life, and using that to invest um, in other people. Um, You know, in discipleship groups, you go through um, everybody has their experiences from the past and then everybody's going to have their experiences from the present and what's going on. And um, this particular group where this, this other mom was in a group, we had a doozy of a group that year. And it was a group meeting for 18 months. And um, we ha- I mean, I'm not kidding. We had one whose husband had been diagnosed with cancer. We had one who had lost a child a year before the group had started. We had two with kids that were juggling with special needs, and so me and this other girl. Um, we had one who had lost her father. Okay, so all this is going on in an 18-month period, and you don't always have groups like that. Um, one had her husband had abandoned her and her daughter, so they were learning what it meant, you know, what new, this new season meant for them. But you're all going through that, but you're going through it together, you know. And so now granted, As much as you rally around each other and you um, pour into, invest, encourage, and love on, um, discipleship is biblical counseling. It's advice. It's encouragement. But sometimes it gets to a point where you can't give somebody what they need. And recognizing that and saying, hey, I I can't give you what you're needing right now. I think you're needing something a little bit more, and that's okay. And helping them kind of get plugged into whether it's grief share or some sort of a Christian counseling, like someone who's, you know, licensed to, to help somebody. So it's just thinking through that, but you live life together and it's a lifeline, you know, sometimes for, for these ladies. And so, um, using the word, using the work, um, that he's already done in your life. And then, um, the wonder of God, which is the Holy spirit. We know from acts one eight that the Bible tells us that we will receive power when the Holy spirit comes upon us. And every time you see the Holy spirit, filling somebody in in the Bible, it always is followed by a bold proclamation of God's word. And so allowing that Holy Spirit to speak to us and then depending on him as we disciple and as we invest in others. Um, so God's word, God's work, and God's wonder. What we're going to do is, that's kind of the background for everything that we're going to be talking about. And at this point, what we're going to do is kind of transition into the very practical side of discipleship so what I want to do is hopefully if you're asking yourself the question I don't even know where to begin I don't even know where to start then we're going to start there and I'm hopefully going to walk you through what a process would look like so that you know even how it replicates in the end or even if someone should replicate because there comes a time where maybe they they shouldn't at that point Um, so first off where do we even start and you've heard this I think over and over again throughout this conference is it starts with prayer Um, it it has to start with prayer Um, and when you're praying for God to show you women that are in your life, um, I kind of pray in two different directions. I pray that God leads me to women. Um, you know, that he, my antennas, I say, are always up for discipleship. Like, I, every time I have a conversation with a woman, um, I'm thinking, if I haven't met with her already, I'm thinking, I wonder if she would want to meet. You know, this is what I'm, It's going on in my mind. I just really like her. I'd love to spend time with her, you know. So I'm always thinking about discipleship. And so praying that God leads me to certain women, and then also praying that if, if it's his will, that God would lead someone to me. Um, we know from Luke six twelve through 13, that Jesus prayed all night before he called the apostles, before he called them. And so we know it was a matter of prayer for him, and so it's a matter of prayer for us. And so what you do is you just start praying. And then what I'll do is, as I pray... I start really focusing on this around August or September because um, I typically meet with a group from January to December. So in the, after the summer, I'm starting to think, okay, you know, come January, most likely I'll be starting a new group. So, God, who are you going to lead? You know, me too. And I will write names on a list. You know, I, I keep everything in my phone. It's like my, my iPad. So I keep, all, I keep names of ladies who I've come in contact with or had conversation with, and I pray with them, pray through them for months. And then, in the meantime, while I'm praying for some of those women, occasionally somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I would love to be in your group, or could you help me get connected with the group? And so, if we end up having a conversation, and I think, Oh, wow, I wonder if she would like to meet with me, I'll add her name to the list. But this goes on for a couple of months. Finally, what I will do is, after I have prayed through these names, I will make a contact with them and see if they're interested. And then ask them to pray about it um, for a few months. And we'll talk about how you ask that in the in a humble way, you know, like, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute, but anyway, so, but just making it a matter of prayer, and um, writing those ladies' names down, praying through them, thinking through them, pondering, um, you know, Brother Tim always says, when you're looking for someone to be in a discipleship group, you're looking for a fat Christian, faithful, available, and teachable, are they faithful, are they available, and are they teachable, if they are, they're a prime, you know, candidate, not to say that other people aren't, but you're looking for someone who has a desire for this. Um, now, maybe they don't know they have a desire for it until you talk to them. But that's who you're looking for: someone who's hungry, they want to grow. Um, that's who you're you're wanting to invest in. You want to spend. You're wanting to spend time with them. Um, so just make it a matter of prayer. Um, think through your spheres of influence as you do this. So, do you already have a desire or a passion for a particular group of women? Whether I mean it could be high school girls, it could be college girls, it could be women in your life group or your small group, or your Sunday school class, um, it could be co-workers, um, it could be neighbors, you know, so it could be single moms, it could be, you know, um, it could be moms who have been divorced, it could, you know, there are, you have a, a desire of your heart, your, your heart is inclined towards some people, um, it could be a variety, you know, like I had a lady once, um, we, we met for a year, and then she was replicating, and she wanted like every age group present in her discipleship group, so she had a couple of Um, younger, like in their 20s, she had a couple of 30, you know, she had one that was like 40, and then she had a couple of senior ladies, and so she just wanted all different, you know, sorts and ages and seasons of life, and so it's just, you know, newly, nearly married, what do you feel, how do you feel God's leading you, where are you already connected, and praying maybe through in that way, you know, would God have you, you know, meet with some of these ladies, so making it the matter of prayer and praying through those names um, is where you're going to start, okay, now, Next would be, while you're doing that, while you're praying through these names, kind of coming up with your plan. What is your plan going to be when you when you get this group together and y'all are going to meet weekly? You want to plan your process. I live by, if you fail to plan, you can plan to fail. I'm not sure if you've heard that before, but if you fail to plan, you can plan to fail. And so I, I have to have a plan. That's in everything in life. I mean, if I make my grocery list, I try to organize, I mean, this is maybe too much, but I try to organize my grocery list in the order as it appears in the grocery store. You know, because I don't want to have to get all the way to the, the milk and then have to go all the way back to the produce. So I make I have my little plan, you know. But I do that just in everyday life because if I don't have a plan, it's not going to get done. Even my errand list, okay, I will put it in order how I think I can accomplish it, you know, and now I don't beat myself up if I don't get it done like that, okay, so, but for me, I need that plan, and I feel like it works the same way with discipleship, now, granted, every single week, you might not come in and fulfill that plan with the ladies based on the needs of your group, and you have to be sensitive to that, but ultimately, you have to have a plan with where you're going to go with these women and what you want to do, and so you're going to start thinking through that and develop that plan. In order to come up with that plan, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what is essential, like the essential things you have to have in a discipleship group setting and then things that are optional. Okay, so first off, before we get into the essentials, you have to have a time frame. So if you're leading a group, you as the leader are going to determine what you feel is a good amount of time Um, now granted that could be lengthened if you need it to but if you go in you want to let the ladies know who are praying through it you're asking them to commit for 12 months or if you feel like it's going to be 18 months um, those are the sweet spots about 12 to 18 months Um, it could be a little different if you're ministering to college because they run in semester so um, and i don't have a whole lot of familiar i'm not very familiar with um, college discipleship my best friend in louisiana that's all she does is college discipleship. Um, and so I don't have a lot of experience in that area, but I do know it works from semester. So they may, she may have the same girls for two or three semesters, but you know they're off significantly in the summer and things like that. So, but you want to come up with that time frame. 12 to 18 months um, is what you kind of want to kind of focus on. And then what you want to decide is, what, okay, these essentials, these are the things you have to have there. and They should be listed in your notes. You have to have, a Bible reading plan. Um, you, the, the Bible is the textbook. I mean, that you are creating an atmosphere for ladies to feed themselves because they will not be with you every day of their life. They will not be with you every year. They may move. You may move. Things are going to happen. You're not going to be able to be their lifeline forever. So you want to teach them how to feed themselves. You want them to know how to go to God's Word You want them to hear what he's saying to them. um, And you, as a disciple maker, want to hear that from them. And we'll talk about that. But you have to have a Bible reading plan. Um, There's a a slew of ways to do this. I mean, there's 12 month plans, there's chronological plans, there's historical plans, um, there's Old Testament plans, there's New Testament plans. There's all kinds of plans. You don't even, you could do by the book if you wanted to just every month read a different book of the Bible. You, as a leader, choose what do you want to do. Um, And so based on that, you decide those things, okay? And then once you decide and you know that's what you communicate to the ladies when you eventually contact them, you already know, okay, we're going to meet for, we're going to shoot for 12 months. We're going to read, you know, um, the chronological one-year Bible reading plan. You're going to develop those things. You're going to plan that process and that way you communicate to them what you're going to do. I can talk a little bit more about this if you're interested about it. Robbie and I, um, I was very passionate about reading the Bible in its entirety every year to 18 months. Um, Robbie was very passionate about reading the Bible, but not in a year or 18 months um, just because it's its very time consuming. And so we came together and said we need to create a Bible reading plan that is manageable for busy believers. Like what is something that could be managed And so we one year on the way to Louisiana in the car for eight and a half hours came up with a Bible reading plan. And it's called it was called F260. It was foundational 260 days of foundational passages to read in the Bible. And um, after we came up with it, I did the Old Testament. He did the New Testament. We brought it back to our team at the time and said, we need your help to tweak this and really get this into a, a great Bible reading plan. And so, anyway, long story short, Lifeway picked it up and it's a book called foundations and and so what it is is we came up with a reading plan. Lifeway has added a paragraph of commentary for every day uh, of the reading. um uh, Why am I telling you that because it's just an option. We can talk about that more if you're interested in it i I did bring a copy um to show you if you if you wanted to see that, but it's a five out of seven day reading plan. It's chronological order, but it doesn't you're not reading the Bible in its entirety, so you're gonna read you know what we feel is the most foundational things that you need to know to understand God's full story, but you're not going to be reading every day. So it'd be like five out of seven days. But um, anyway, you just choose what you feel is effective, but the Bible has to be essential. Um, it ha- the Bible, you, you need to be doing that regularly. Um, and then scripture memory is essential. Um, it's, it's life changing and it's transforming when you hide God's word in your heart. And so having a scripture that you memorize every week Um, Now, there are times where you will review, and that's good too, but, you know, regularly memorizing Scripture um, as a group. um, A lot of plans may not include Scripture. Some may. Um, The Foundations Plan, we have two options for every um, week of, of Scripture verses that you can memorize. In the event you choose a plan that doesn't have Scripture memory already included, what I will do is as I read, through the week, that week, whatever verse really sticks out, or it's just, I'm like, man, this is really good. We need to know this one. I'll just pull it out and say, hey, let's memorize this, and so um, you, you can do that however you see fit, but it's essential to include scripture memory. Um, journaling is also essential, and a lot of people have already have great methods of how they journal, and that's good. If you have a method, stick with that. Um, if you don't, we, we, we do a method called here. It's highlight, explain, apply, and respond. And and how it works is when you are reading through your quiet time that day, if, you, if a verse really pops out to you, um, you would write that down under the H for highlight, you know, or you could just write the reference to it. And then you're going to explain, you know, what's going on around that verse. Like, what does that verse mean? And then the apply is where you say, okay, well, explain, this is what it meant when the When it was being written, what does it mean for me today? You know, how do I apply this to my life? Uh, And then there's the response is the R. And so the response can be an action that you are going to do because now this is what you've learned. Or it could be a time of prayer where you just respond to the Lord in prayer. So I'll give you an example. Um, Yesterday in my reading, um, reading about Paul, and he says that um, this verse just really popped off to me, but it said he bears on his body the scars you know, of of suffering for Christ, and I remember thinking, golly, he bears on his body so visible marks of what he has suffered and his, the persecution that he's faced. And so I just remembered thinking, you know, we have a few places in Scripture where Paul tells us, you know, he was in prison, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten, that sort of thing. But you don't really see a lot of places where he goes into great depths of either describing those things or complaining about those things or even focusing on the persecution that he experienced. And so that's what I journaled on. Well, Lord would have it. So I'm journaling on persecution and something had happened where um, uh, somebody who doesn't go to church here but just was upset about something and kind of went on Facebook and just blasted this post against, you know, Long Hollow and the leadership and all that. I didn't even know about it for the first couple of hours, and a friend texted me and said, we're praying against this, and I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so, like, uh, okay, so I text Robbie. I'm like, something going on. I need to know. Um, but anyway, so uh, he, I, I kind of went online, and I looked, and I thought, hmm, How ironic, how divine is it that this morning I'm journaling on Paul's persecutions and in my journal I was saying, you know, Lord, what we go through is nothing compared to some people all over the world. It's nothing compared to what Paul was going through, where he was he bore on his body, you know, those scars. And so I thought, you know, that's what God had impressed upon me. And so that morning, my response, I always make my response a prayer because I don't feel like I ever have enough time for prayer. And so I'm always responding in prayer. And that was my prayer. You know, Lord, you know, prepare us for persecution that may come, you know, and help us not to complain. So this is where it's going. And then a couple hours later, I find out, you know what I'm saying? Which is so minimal. I mean, a blast on Facebook, you know, not, not that big of a deal. But had, had, I could have gotten more upset about that had I not been in God's word and had God not already dealt with my heart on, on what he was showing me that morning. I could have reacted in a prideful way. You know what I mean? I could have just had a different reaction. And so this is why journaling is so crucial. Um, and so when I say journaling, I don't mean you have to journal every day. When I meet with ladies, I require two journals a week. So you're reading five out of seven days. Two of those days, I want you to stop and I want you to take a little more time and I want you to record something that you're hearing from the Lord. Um, and then when we get together every week, we share at least one of those. If we have time, we share two. Um, I want to know what is God saying to them? Like how is God leading and directing them? And how do they feel like they're going to apply that to their life? You know, how they're... Their life is going at that at that moment, and so it is. It's it's so awesome every week because I we're all reading the same thing, but yet God is speaking to all of us in a different passage, in a different way. Um, sometimes it's the same, but it is so edifying for us to sit around the table and share what God has been showing us that week. It's cr- it's crucial. It, it that is, it's teaching them how to feed themselves, how to read the word of God, how to kind of put it in its context as they look. To explain, what is this verse even talking about? What does Paul mean here? Um, so it's it's just crucial. It's essential. Prayer is another essential. Um, not only praying when you're together, praying for one another throughout your week and your months and your year together. You know, staying connected in that way. Um, it's 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 essential. Um, one that may not be on your list that I have there is meeting weekly. Um, meeting weekly is essential. Um, you know, you really don't want to meet every other week. If at all, you can help it. Um, now, there will be times of seasons of off, you know, like everybody goes on vacation. You know, we're gone normally for three or four weeks on sabbatical. So during that three or four week period, you know, I'm not meeting with the ladies. But that's not a regular occurrence. You want to meet with them weekly, um, you know, throughout your time together. And then um, one of the last things I have written on here is, if this is essential, giving the ladies an opportunity to lead under your leadership during your year together. Um, it, when we met for 18 months, um, that was easy to have the ladies go through a rotation where they did this five or six times. If you're meeting for 12 months, you know, you're know you probably only going to get to do something like that around three or four times. And so I I will kind of break that down and tell you what I'm talking about. But why it's so essential is that when they are launching and they're going to have their own group as God would lead them, you want them feeling confident and equipped that they can do this. You don't want them thinking, I cannot do what she just did with me for a year. Um, So you want them to know, I can do this because I've already done it. You know, I can facilitate this group. I can share my testimony. You know, you want them to to know those things. So those things are what we call essential. You have to have those in in your group. Um, And then you have what's optional. And so optional would be anything outside of that. Whether it's a Bible study that you want to study on a particular topic, whether it's books that you want to read. I love to read. So we incorporate at least three to four books during our time together. And um, it's it's wonderful. I mean, like right now we're reading a book on marriage, um, this momentary marriage. Has anybody read that book by John Piper? So I always will pick up a book, and I'll read, like, the first few pages. And if I really start to get into it, then I'll read the first few chapters and say, okay, is this a book I want to read with with the ladies? And so over the summer, I had picked up this book, and um I sat down, and I was reading just the first few pages. And so Piper goes into how, in heaven, we're not married, you know. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. I'm like, all right. I know this, Lord, I know this, you know, you've, you know, Robbie and I kind of joke about this, you know, we're not married in heaven, and I'm like, oh, yes, we are, I'm like, oh, we're married, we're married, and, uh, but it's kind of like a joke, but so here I'm reading Piper, and it's like, okay, you're not married in heaven, now, this is kind of funny, but I start crying, because I'm thinking, you know, I don't know any different than being married to Robbie, and I can't imagine what that's like, if I won't know that, you know, and, um, so he gets home later or whatever, and I'm telling him about the book. You know, it is called This Momentary Marriage. You know, that's the title. And so I tell him about it, and um, he's like, well, you have to remember why we're married. You know, we're, the purpose of our marriage is to show the world a picture of Christ in the church. And that will be fulfilled, you know. And I'm like, you're right. I'm like, I know you're right. But it just really made me stop and think. Just in the first few pages and in the title, we only have this momentary marriage while we're here as long as the Lord gives us to accurately portray that picture um, to invest that into the ladies that we're going to meet with him at the men there he's going to meet with you know we only have that and so literally you know obviously within the first few pages I knew this is a book that is worth reading together and so that's kind of how I'll pick books we will pick I'll go through just categories I try to always do a Christian biography because they're so inspiring and it's so helpful to read about someone who's lived this life before us, um, you know, that we can learn and grow from. And so I always do a Christian biography. There's a, a bunch of them that are out there that are really good and helpful. Um, pr- one of my favorites is Through Gates of Splendor, which is the story of um, Jim Elliott and um, Nate Saint and the, their martyrdom. Um, I mean, Riff Berry, Hiding in the Light. I'm not sure if you've read that. Um, just yet, and that's like a 24-hour read. I mean, you're going to pick it up and you're going to be done. But Rifka Berry, it's called Hiding in the Light. She um, was a young, she was raised Muslim, and um, she converts to Christianity. She she's saved, and it's about the persecution that she goes through from her family, and having to basically hide in plain sight about her faith, and then eventually, you know. Um, leaving her family and and just kind of her journey. And so um, it's just a wonderful, it's just a really good book. Um, Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. um, You know, he was a missionary to China. Um, I mean, just there's a a, a bunch of great Christian biographies that are just great. They're inspiring. They're motivating. And we learn and grow from them. Um, We will read those a lot of times around the summer because it's just a really good. But anyway, just pull from categories. So we'll try to do a discipleship book of some sort. um, And... We'll try to do something on personal growth, like evaluating our own personal growth, our sin life. Something like Counterfeit Gods by Timothy Keller. Fantastic book. Oh, my gosh. Um, That's probably going to be our next one that we're going to read after this one. Um, Something on biblical, being a biblical woman, uh, biblical femininity. Um, There's a great book. It's called Biblical Femininity. Um, It's by Christy Cole. um, And it's just... It's kind of one of those, I feel like one of those life-changing books. I'm like, man, I wish I would have known this years and years ago. But um, so something on being a woman, you know, um, that's always helpful. Marriage, parenting, evangelism, what is the gospel? If you're wanting to understand the gospel and how you present that and talk to people, excellent book. Um, Just in equipping, you know, ladies on being comfortable sharing the gospel. I mean, it's fantastic. Um, So doctrine, apologetics, you choose. Yeah. What is the Gospel by Greg Gilbert? It's just a really good book. So those books are wonderful to read together. Choosing a few of those, reading together, and then discussing. You know, we do a chapter a week, and then we'll take breaks in between the books um, so they're not always having to be reading, you know, so much. But it creates in them a desire, too, to learn and to read. So that would be optional, though there are some, you don't have to read extra books. If you don't feel like you can manage that at the time or in that season of life or you just want to focus on just the Bible alone, I mean, you're choosing what you want to do. If you want to read one book with your ladies at some point throughout the year, that's all up to you as as the leader of a discipleship group. But that would definitely become second outside of the Bible reading plan you want to do. Um, Now, if you choose, okay, we're going to read the Bible, we're going to do this, and we're going to read books, you know, a couple books together. There's going to be sometimes, bless you, um, there's going to be times where some women are not going to be able to handle doing all of that. And so I had an example of of a lady. She's a full-time, I mean, she's a mom. She worked full-time. She had a child with some issues and things like that. And so very, very busy season of life, very sometimes stressful and chaotic, okay? And so she comes to me, and she's like, I just, I'm not being able to get it all done. And I said, okay, well, tell me what you mean. You know, like, what are you not getting done? She's like, I'm just not able to, I haven't been able to read the book, you know, the last few weeks. And I said, that's fine. I said, if you can't read the book, don't read the book. I said, I want you to read the Bible, and I still want you to journal. But if you can't read the chapter in the book that week, then skip the chapter in the book. Worst thing, you come to group, you can't add to that conversation, but you can still listen and glean what the other ladies have read. And so I told her, just take off from reading the book this time, you know, that seven or eight weeks it took, and then I said the next time, which was going to be like three months down the road, when we pick up the next book, try again, you know, if things have calmed down and slowed down, and you feel like you can handle it, so you can work with the ladies, but I never want her to stop reading the Bible, because she needs that, you know, she needs that every day, um, just to manage life, and so I wanted her to stick with that, and hear what God was telling her, but if she couldn't get that book in, I mean, I'm not going to, force her to do that that was it's optional um so just thinking through that you know and um allowing the lord to lead you help you as you you know minister to each lady that's in your group so that's the what you that's your plan you come up with that what's the bible reading plan you know you want to you know you want to include scripture memory you want to meet weekly you want to have prayer um together and just in your own personal quiet time as you pray for them and and um for their lives and that sort of thing um, Those are these essentials that you have to have. And then the optionals, whether you're going to read a book or whatever else you may want to incorporate in your group. group. Once you've done that, you're going to prepare for the group. So prepare is kind of like administrative duty. So like you want to come up with a covenant. Um, Why is a covenant so important? I can't tell you how many times, you know, women will come to me and they'll say, man, I've got so-and-so who's just, you know, not doing this or not doing that or, or showing up late all the time or, or not showing up at all or not reading, you know, and contributing to discussion and all these things. And I'll ask them, did you establish a covenant? And nine times out of ten, the answer is no. And that's why it's very important because with that covenant is communicating to the ladies you're going to meet with exactly what you're going to do over that course of the year together. So, um, and I have an example of, of of one. There's an example in the back of growing up. You can, you know, just a short little, hey, we're going to journey together for a year. We're going to read the F-260 together. We're going to memorize scripture weekly. Um, and these are the things that I expect, you know, and you can bullet point them, you know. I expect attendance to be a priority, you know, and I have in mind, And if at any point in time, it appears that you, you are not showing up and that you don't care or this is not a priority, I may have to ask you, to leave the group, or we're going to have to talk about it, like what's going on, so you, attendance is, you have to have them showing up regularly um, to benefit, you know, from what's going on, so you want to list those expectations, Um, we're going to journal twice a week, you know, we're going to memorize scripture every week, we're going to pray for one another, we're going to be transparent and open, so you want to list the things that you're going to require out of those ladies every time that you get together, and you communicate that to them, so they're not surprised by that later, Um, now I don't know about you, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm a planner, and I don't like surprises. So, you know, for instance, if uh, Robbie all of a sudden says, oh, wait, forgot, I'm not going to be home tonight. I'm like, what? What do you mean you're not going to be home? Like, I'm cooking or whatever. You know, this is a small example. Um, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I, I, I don't handle, like, surprises well or not being prepared for something. Now, granted, this happens in life. We're going to have surprises and that sort of thing. But you don't want the ladies at some point going, I didn't know you were going to ask me to do this. I didn't know we were going to read four books and that I was responsible for buying those books or whatever the case. You, you don't want to spring that on them. Now, granted the Lord may change your heart as a leader, as you go through the goop and you may choose to do something that wasn't originally in your plan. Well, you go to the ladies and you talk to them about that. I feel like the Lord's leading me in this direction. I know this is not something that we signed on and we said we were going to do, but I really feel like this would be beneficial for us. But for the most part, you want to communicate to those ladies. And on the end of that covenant, You have a place for your signature and you have a place for their signature because they're committing for a year or 18 months to journey with you as the leader and with the other ladies. They're committing to the Lord. So you want them to understand the importance of that, um, those expectations. Um, It's just very important to have a covenant. Is it going to totally nix all the problems that may develop? No, it's not. But in the event that you have someone who's just completely being lazy, for months and months on end, you can pull out that covenant at some point when you talk with her and say, tell us what's going on. Let's talk about this. Let's figure out what's going on. How can we help? Um, you know, we committed to this and we're not finished. And I had that happen, like in the 18 month group, one of the ladies, we were down to the last three months and she was just, you could tell it was just, she was not there. I mean, we had given like a three week period to review all of our memory verses and we were kind of coming back together to recite them and to um, just encouraged one another and I mean three weeks and it was obvious she had not tried at all and so we sat around the table saying our scripture verses and everybody's just like going even if they struggled a little bit they're kind of getting back on track you know and she we get to her and she's just butchering I mean she she it's like she had not reviewed not one verse and I'm thinking like what's going on you know and so I said, let's go to lunch tomorrow and let's talk. You know, So we go to lunch and I'm like, tell me what's going on. I'm like, you know, it doesn't even look like you tried. Like, did you try at all? And she said, no. And I'm like, well, why? You know, so we had to have a talk. I said, you can't. What is the point of you finishing if you're just giving up or if you're just, you know, whatever the case is, you know? And I said, if you can't show up and be present and really try to finish strong i don't see the point in finishing the next three months you know and she she wanted to finish she's like no i'm going to do it i'm going to do this and i think she just needed to talk i think she needed to cry a little bit i think she needed to just release some things and she came back and she finished you know strong and so you just sometimes have to kind of have that but she had signed that covenant she knew what she had committed to we could talk about that so that's why it's it's important to develop that and then have them sign that um when you prepare, you have to at some point make contact and invite the ladies to your group. So whether you do that through a text message or an email or a cup of coffee or in a, you know, meeting at the church on a Sunday morning or or whatever at school when you see them. Um, but you want to establish some sort of contact and an invitation, you know, so I'm at the point right now where I'm gearing up for the ladies that are going to be in, in the next group. And so I've, um, talked with all of them either in person or just shot them a text and said hey I've been praying about this not sure if you're interested but would love for you to pray about it for a few weeks and, and let me know what you think and I've already told them this is what we're going to do together you know we're going to go through the F260 you know I've told them everything I've just got through telling you those essentials that are there and so most of them have already shot back a response and some of them are still praying you know through that and um, and so we'll have, I'll eventually touch base with them again but you want to make contact and say hey would this be something that you'd be interested in doing come January or whatever month, you know, you're going to start. Um, A few things, kind of like fun things that we will do and things that I'll pass out, I do an information sheet. Um, It's just a get-to-know-you sheet. So, you know, are you married? Do you have kids? What are their names? What are their ages? What's your favorite color? Your favorite restaurant? Your favorite place to shop? You know, who's your role model? You know, when you look back on your life, what do you want, you know, to have said about yourself or what do you want people to say? You know, those types of things. Um, You can create that on your own, but I pass those out. And we all fill it out. And then I make copies of everybody's for everybody. So we all have a copy of everybody's sheet. And every time we have birthdays, we go to the sheet. Okay, where does she like to shop? What's her favorite candy bar? And then we celebrate our birthdays. So it's just a helpful... You know, um, knowing when their anniversaries are or, or that sort of thing. Um, it's a fun get to know you. I love reading through them, um, their favorite place to travel, you know, cause you just, you're learning about, about them. And so I'll pass that out in the very beginning of our group together. They fill it out. I give them a copy and then we kind of all have that throughout the year, um, as like a little go-to, um, sheet about them. There's a spiritual assessment that I will, um, pass out as well. Um, Robbie has a copy of this in the back of growing up. His is called Spiritual Inventory. So it's just a few questions about where they are in their spiritual walk. Um, I do have a copy of the Spiritual Assessment if somebody's interested in looking at that. Um, It's um, like from the Disciple Making, I think it's like the Disciple Making Mini Toolkit or something that a friend of mine had gotten years ago. It's online. And um, it's basically, you know, Do you have assurance of salvation? You know, some of these things that um, could be struggles or that someone doesn't know a whole lot about and wants to know more about. And based on how they answer that, I know what I need to cover throughout our time together. Like if someone is not sure, you know, of, of their salvation or if they're struggling with their identity in Christ, if any of those things are going on, I need to know about that so that we can at some point address it. Now, I won't call them out. But because this is a, when they fill that out for me, their name is on it, but nobody sees it but me. So it's private. It's confidential. I'm like, be honest on it. And so I will, if so and so is struggling with identity in Christ, then we're going to address that at some point. But nobody knows that she was, you know, needing to know more information about that. So um it's just helpful. You don't have to pass that out. You know, you could always have a one on one conversation and find out from them maybe some areas that they want to. um learn about or grow from and that sort of thing so uh, but that's just something that I've always done is, is pass out that assessment you want to let them know if you require like any materials you know so obviously they're going to need a Bible um, because you're going to be reading that and um, I highly encourage a study Bible um, because I'm not with them every day I can't answer every question that they may have but if they have those study notes all they need to do hopefully is look down in the commentary notes that are there and get some sort of framework for what they're thinking or asking. Um, So, I I, I mean, I read the study Bible every day. Like, I I read my Bible, and I normally have my study Bible app pulled up on my phone, and as soon as I have a question, I might think about it for a minute, and then I go to the the commentary, and I'm like, okay, what is he talking about here? So, I just find it very helpful to have a study Bible, so I strongly encourage them to do that. A journal, if they need a journal. Index cards, if they want to, you know, um, write their scriptures down on index cards, if that's how they memorize. So, just those kind of things. Um, whatever Bible reading plan you're going to do, you want to print that for them or give them access to it. So whether that's online, like they're going to go find it online, or whether you actually have it printed out for them. But you want to give them access so they can keep up keep up with that. So that's what I mean when I say prepare. It's kind of like the administrative type things that you want to kind of have done and ready for when your group kind of kicks off. Um, and then after you have done those things, you pick a start date. You know, when are you going to start? Um, Ideal times would be kind of January or when school, in the fall, when school kicks back off. Um, but, you know, like I said, that's up to you. You know, when do you want to start? You know, if the Lord is leading you and you have your ladies and you want to start in November, you know, then you start in November and you meet however long you want to meet. Um, that's a that's up to you. You pick, as a leader, you pick what works for you. Um, so, you know, whether that's a weeknight, whether it's a weekday, you know, whether it's Tuesday lunch or Saturday brunch. You choose what works in your lifestyle, and that's what you communicate to the ladies. Hey, we're going to meet on Wednesday nights from 630 to 745. Um, That also helps to determine whether a woman can be in your group or not because if that doesn't work for her, then maybe it's not meant to be for that season. Maybe she's meant to either be with somebody else or somebody else is meant to be in your group. So picking your time and your day, all of those things, that's around you. Um, the leader, you establish that. Um, you know, we've met in in church. I mean, I mean, we meet almost every Wednesday night. Um, I've met in coffee shops. I mean. Our regular meeting place is in a room here at the church, but sometimes we'll just say, let's go to dinner or let's get together for coffee instead, you know, and we'll go to a place. And, and you know, that's always awesome, too. Like last week we went to a Mexican restaurant and we all had our books out, this momentary marriage, and, you know, we're talking about our journals and all, um, in the restaurant, you know, which is great. So you could choose to do a lunch group every week at the same place and get to know the same people that are in that restaurant. Evangelize, too, you know. Um, so you, you decide all of those things and... Um, you tell the ladies, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, meeting at Panera Bread, you know, at 1030 on a Tuesday after we drop our kids off or something, you know, would that work for you, you know? Um, so you just want to pick a start date, work out child care if that's an issue, and, um, and then you're ready to proceed. I mean, you're ready to go. You've got your, you've prayed, you've got your women, you've planned, you know what your process, as much as you can know at that point what it's going to be. You've prepared. You've got your covenant ready. Anything you may want to pass out, access to a Bible reading plan, you're ready to go. You've picked your start date and your time, and then you you go. Um, you know, I have on there, I'm not sure if it's in your notes, just some details of a D group which is every process looks a little different and is unique to the leader, and that's okay. Um, and you want to communicate as you're discipling women throughout the time together. Like I said earlier, it's reproducible, not repeatable, so their group won't have to look cookie cut out like yours. They may find things they really enjoyed and they might find things that, I don't know if for me that worked the best so I want to try something a little different and that's okay. Um, So, you know, some um, teach, some some people are teachers. They like to teach. Um, I love to teach. I love to dig deeper in God's word. Um, I don't expect the ladies to always do that. However, if I do anything with them, whether I teach a lesson or we study something a little more in-depthly, my job is to teach them how to do the same thing because they can't walk away at the end of the time and say, I can't do what she just did. I'm not a teacher and I can't do that. So, granted, they may not be. Um, I don't even know if I'm a teacher, you know, in that, if that's my gift. Um, but I like to study a little deeper and then I like to share that. And so, If I choose to do that, which I do throughout the year about different things that will hit in the scripture, like when we get to the tabernacle, well, that's just not let's gloss over the tabernacle. I mean, that's a big deal, you know, and I want them to understand what it all represents. And so they may know that already. They may not. And so we talk about that, and I'll teach a little more about it. Um, You know, we may get to... Jonah, and not everybody knows about Jonah, so we may do a character study on Jonah as I feel led throughout the year. But whatever I do, I have to teach them to do. And so what I'll do is I will come in on a Wednesday night, and I will show them how I look into the Scripture a little more in-depthly. You know, I show them, okay, what I do first is I read my Bible, and I underline, and I make any notes that I feel like God is just speaking to me off of the page i do that first you know then like i said earlier i go to my study bible app and i look at those commentary notes you know and is god shedding light on something that i really am feeling like hey this is really good to communicate to them so I show them that. I show them what commentary I use. I've got a couple, but um, I brought one because they're just so heavy. Um, but I do. I have two whole Bible commentaries. So it's not, there are obviously commentaries out there on each individual book of the Bible by great, wonderful men and women. Um, this is just a, a go-to that I've had for years. And so the whole Bible, it's a commentary on the whole Bible. So obviously it's brief, um, it's a, it's so, but it's enough when I just want to go to something and I'm like, oh, man, this is so good, you know. Um, and so I will show them how I look that up. And then I have two websites that I use regularly if I'm looking for more information. And so I pull up those websites. I teach them how to navigate those and, and use those. Um, if you're interested in those, um, blueletterbible.com is free. It's great. There's even an app for it. You can keep it on your phone. Um, and then Precept Austin um, dot org. Precept Austin is, is another one, free, a litany of resources and commentaries. And so I just show them how to do that. That way, in the event they're asked to teach something or lead something and they want to know how to do those things, they kind of have a framework of what, of what to do. So you just want to keep that in mind. Whatever you do, you want to teach them how to do. What was the first one you mentioned? BlueLetterBible.com. BlueLetterBible, yeah. Um So just thinking through that, whatever you do, you want to teach them how to do. Um, You know, I had a friend once back in Chattanooga who, when it got time to kind of do their little, their group, she had um, each lady study a different religion, and they came to the group and taught on the different religions. I thought, that's really good, you know. Um, And so, and I don't know if she taught them where to go find all that information, but they went and searched it out on their own, got, you know, some information on it, and then they all came in and taught each other on that. So you see, there's different things that you may feel are very helpful or beneficial that you can incorporate um, into your group and just, you know, pray that the Lord leads you in that. Um, So earlier I talked about in your notes, I think it may tell you the process I used recently. This was years ago. Um, It says 18-month chronological reading plan. Um, What I have used most recently is the F-260 I was telling you about. Um, Now, I will say I've done the 12-month. I I think chronological is the way to go. I mean, it is just so awesome, and it just connects the dots and the pieces. And, I mean, it is just like, man, you're reading, you're like, man, you know, you get it in its context, and you get it in how it happened. So it's awesome. So um, I'm just, I love to do it that way. It's very helpful for me. So, I've done the 12 month and I've done the 18 month. The 12 month, um, it, it's very time consuming. I mean, you're reading three to four to five chapters a day in order to read the Bible in its entirety. If you do, so what I finally did was after I had done the 12 month plan for a few years, I took the 12 month plan and made it into 18 months because I couldn't find an 18 month plan online. And so I made the 18-month plan because it made it more manageable. And so you could read the Bible in 18 months, but instead of reading four or five chapters a day, you would read maybe three, you know. So it just kind of helped a little bit. Um and then like I said Robbie and I had come up, came up with the F260. So what I learned is I was kind of becoming legalistic about reading the Bible in its entirety every year. Like I got to read the Bible in its entirety every year. And I realized, okay, wait a second missing the point here. It's not about the quantity of what I'm reading. It's about the quality of what I'm reading. And so it's okay to not read the Bible in its entirety and slow down a little bit and like take it all in, you know? And so really this, the F260 has been really good for me in that way. Um, because there was a part of me, even though I created the plan that was like, do I really want to do this? Like, do I want to do the F260 or do I want to, you know, read the 18-month plan again or whatever. And so there was a part of me that was, like, torn. Like, what do I do? And then I'm like, okay, now I'm going to try. I'm going to do the F-260, you know. And so, um, and I have loved it because it has just slowed down. And it's just, I get up, I read my Bible, and, I mean, I cannot wait. Like, when I go to bed, I mean, I'm excited to go to bed and set my alarm to get up so I can go sit in my chair, you know, in my room. I mean, I'm in my house. It's pitch black dark because I get up at 5, and I turn, I have just my little lamp on. And I sit there, and, I mean, I... I am looking forward to getting up in the morning and reading and seeing what God's going to tell me. I mean, it's just just my part of my day. Um, But anyway, so it's just very manageable. I'm reading one to two chapters. I have more time to journal if I want to. And then because I'm reading five out of seven days on Saturday and Sunday, I read the book that we're reading. Um, so I can read, you know, this book we're reading two chapters a week because they're a little small. And so I'll read, you know, two chapters on Saturday and Sunday because I still want to get up. I still want to spend some time with the Lord. I still want to read and, and have that kind of start my day. And so that's what I do. So it's very manageable. Um, so that's the process we have used this year. We have read um, that, that 12-month plan. Um, we've memorized a scripture verse every week. Um, I kind of brought my stuff just to kind of show you all, but... um, so um, you know, we keep, I keep our, I laminate my scripture cards just for durability. And um, and so I have those and I, I have them on my quiet time table and I'll pull them out, you know, and, and memorize them. I tell the girls as we memorize every week, you want to keep those, you don't want to lose them. You know, you want to, you want them in long-term memory at some point. And so we'll try to say, once you've memorized them, try to say them at least once a week. To review them and so if you split that up you know I mean over the course of a year you may memorize a hundred scriptures and so if you would say 25 a day in a week's time you know you're at least keeping them a little fresh and so kind of reviewing those but anyway so we, we memorize scripture we journal twice a week like I shared with you we've read at this point three books so we'll read one more together um, which I think is going to be counterfeit gods or what is the gospel it's gonna be one of those and then we have roundtable discussion you know when we get into the room We start off by chit-chatting, you know, I open us up in prayer, and then we go around the table and we say our scripture verses to one another. There's a choice in our plan of two different verses, so some are memorizing different ones. And then we'll go, we go through that together, you know, we'll talk about that scripture, and then we'll share our journal entries together, um, at least one, if not two of those, and then um, we'll discuss the book if we're reading a book at that point in time. And, um, and that's kind of how we do it. And so I told you, give the ladies an opportunity to lead throughout your time together. And so what that looks like is if, if, I'm, if we're meeting for 12 months, you know, January and February, I'm doing everything. I'm coming in. I'm starting us off. I'm opening in prayer. I'm leading from one thing to the next, you know. I'm being aware of my time so that I know, you know, how, um, when I have to stop in order, you know, to not be going too long. So I'm doing all of those things. Come March is when we start our testimony time, and that is a highlight of our year, and I give them about 20 or 30 minutes to talk about their life. You know, just tell me about your life. Where are you from? How was your childhood? You know, what happened, you know, as you were a teenager, adult? How did you come to know Christ, and how are you different now? So they prepare for that, and each lady has a week, and so when we come in that week, we're splitting that time together because we are together for about an hour and 15 minutes, an hour sometimes. So about 20, 30 minutes, I'm kind of leading and facilitating. And then for 30, 40 minutes, they get to share their testimony. 20 is really, they're talking about 20 minutes, but we leave time to encourage and have questions about that. And so they're learning to lead. They don't know that. They don't realize it maybe, but by sharing their testimony, sharing their life with a group full of women, you know, and um, getting them kind of used to doing that. And so they're kind of splitting that time with me. Then the summer may come. We come back from the summer, and they may come in and kick everything off. You get us going. You have everybody say their scripture, have everybody share their journal, you know, let's pray together or whatever. And then I may discuss the book that we're reading at that point in time. So we're just going to kind of split that that um, that time. And then where we are now, which is co- closer to the end of the year, it's their turn to come in and do the whole thing. So I I come in and just chit-chat like everybody else, you know, and then they have to tell me, okay, we're ready to start, you know, and let's move on. And then they get to do it all by themselves. And, you know, we have, each of these women have different gifts and talents and, and great things that they can teach us. And so the one who's up next is a prayer warrior. And I've said, this is, girl, you've got to teach this. I'm like, this is just she is faithful with it. I mean, I'm like, we have got a lot to learn from you on this. So this, I feel like this is what you need to, tell, to teach us, you know. And so they're going to come in, and it's, it's outside of testimony time. It's my favorite time because now I get to see them do everything that we've been doing all on their own in, in preparation to launch out, you know. And, um, it's, and then they see, too, I've always told, told them this, you always learn more when you lead. You, you will always learn more when you lead than I can ever teach you. And um, and it's true. And they catch that when they're really doing it for themselves. And they're like, you know, then they kind of have, man, I I enjoyed this, you know, and I liked preparing and I liked coming in. And and so they it's just really it's really cool. And, you know, we know that Jesus modeled that um, for us. You know, he ministered on his own while the disciples watched through many different things. And then he started they started assisting him, you know, in the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000 and those types of things. They were helping him and assisting and then it's, and at one point he leaves. You know, he ascends and, then, or he, and he even sends them out before that, you know, when he's not with them and then he leaves. So he modeled that same thing for us in scripture and that's kind of the, the mindset of allowing them to kind of help lead and participate as we go. Um, through that time so that they are like, I can see, I can do this. Um, You have like an example in there of managing your time together. Um, That just, um, it's kind of like a guideline if you kind of need to know, you know, how should this look when we're sitting together for an hour or 15 minutes. Um, I won't go into too many details about that, but it's just a way to split up that time and kind of stay on track if you need to, you know, if you have a uh, um, an issue with that. Um, Really quickly, because I know we're, we have about 10 minutes left, and um, the goals of the D group, you'll see the goals kind of that I have listed there in your slides. Um, obviously, one would be individual life change, your own personal walk, their walk with the Lord, that spiritual growth. Um, that is. I mean, just what you want to happen, it's natural. It's going to happen in that setting. Um, so you're, it's individual life change. Um, the more you know God, the more you love him. The more you love him, the more you obey him. It's just that triangle, and that's what you want. Um, you're educating, you're equipping, and you're empowering. Um, you're educating them in Bible literacy and biblical worldview. I mean, that is lacking in today's world more than ever. And so in that setting, you are teaching them what God's Word says. They are becoming more aware um, they know God's story more, all of those things, um, and you think this is just the start of that in their life, so they're going to meet with you for a season, and your hope and desire is that they will replicate, and that for years to come, they will have, this will be a part of their life, this will be their lifestyle, and so they're going to continue doing that on throughout the years, so they're only going to know God's word more and they're going to learn it more, and they're going to be more educated um, in his word and able to share that with others and minister to others. Um, You're equipping them. I mean, maturity, you've heard that said. Um, That's a goal of discipleship is helping people mature in their relationship. How do they make wise decisions? You know, how do they discern things that they're struggling with? Or um, all of those things, you're helping them to learn how to do that, and at the same time, they're helping you. You know, I always tell them, I need this as much as you need this. Like, you think I'm going to sit here and I'm important to you, and I am, I'm going to do everything I can, but I need this just as much. I need the accountability. I need to show up every week, you know, so I need that as much as they do. Um, You're helping them in time management. You know, some people can't manage their time, some people may not be able to get things done. And so when you come across that, you work with them and you help them. you help them in how they learn to lead and facilitate. So you're just, you're doing all, all those things are goals that you're reaching for. And then eventually you're empowering them to replicate or to serve somewhere in something that they're going to do. Um, so that's the goals. Um, we're, we're kind of running out of time. I want to leave a few minutes if you have questions. Um, the elements of an effective D group is kind of where I always run out of time. So I almost feel like it needs to be a separate session in and of itself because there's so much good information. I just want to hit a couple of highlights because I I feel like I've incorporated a few of these things in my discipleship groups over the last few years, and it's been radically just changed me. Um, but you will see a list of them there. You see a miss- missional, accountable, reproducible, communal, and scriptural. That uh, Robbie has a book on those. It's called Marks of a Disciple. It's how you gauge the effectiveness of a discipleship group. And so there's he has a lot of information on that. I just want to touch on missional and account- accountable for just a second. Uh, missional, you know, obviously you want to have a mission mindset, um, but there comes point in time where you can't always go. Um, you can't go on the field. You may not can go long-term. You may not can go short-term. You know, Robbie's told me for this season of life, he doesn't want me going off on, on a lot of mission trips right now. He needs me at home. Our boys are eight and six. And so there'll be times like, are you kidding me? Like, I really want to go here. I really want to go there. But I'm listening to what he says, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, so how do we be missional? When sometimes we can't go, okay? So I had this thought that came across me a couple years back when we were in Chattanooga. And I thought, I'm going to go to the missions department. I'm going to get every missionary card that we have of missionaries we partner with their support. I'm going to put them on a book ring. I'm going to get seven copies because there were seven of us. And I'm going to pass them out to the ladies. And when they do their quiet time, I want them to flip through a missionary a day and pray for that missionary. And so I brought these just to kind of show you what they look like. But um, this was life-changing for me. And I'll tell you why. Half the people I didn't know. They were overseas somewhere. I didn't know these. I didn't know all of them. Some of them I knew because they had been sent out while we were there. But there were others I did not know. And particularly this girl, Jen. And so I began praying for Jen. Didn't know her. But as I, over time, I'm thinking, man, I'm getting to know Jen. Like, I feel like I know her, you know. And... What was crazy is while the girls and I were praying for her at different points in time, she was going through intense spiritual warfare, like panic attacks and anxiety attacks and things that were going on. Um, She was she's single. She was by herself overseas. And anyway, so we just started realizing the importance of praying for these um, that are serving all over the world. And so um, that was a way we could be missional without necessarily always like leaving and going, even though that's important too. And so I just, and what I did was I got every one of them, to send, give me a family picture before I had passed these out. And I put their picture inside here because they're missionaries in their own home, in their own neighborhoods and communities. And so I wanted them, when they got to their picture, which is ours, that they would say, hey, wait a second, this applies to me too, you know. And so that was, so when we came here, I went to the missions department. I said, I need every missionary card that you have, and I need seven copies. And they, they didn't have them yet. And I was like, They said, this is something we've been wanting to do. And so I was like, well, can you do them? And when you do them, let me know so that I can come and get them. And so they did. And they look so good. So these are the mission cards or whatever. And so every family that Long Hollow supports or that has sent out or that has partnered with us are in here. And so when I sit there in my quiet time and I journal like yesterday on Paul bearing the scars on his body, who am I praying for? I have a missionary from here, I have a missionary from here, and I have a. this is our staff directory. We did the same thing for our staff. And so I pick, you know, wherever, whatever place I'm in on all of these, I'm praying for them the same exact verses that are sticking out to me that day because I have to streamline it all. Um, you know, there's never enough time in the day to do everything we need to do. So if I'm journaling on something that God's spoken to me, then I'm going to use that in my prayer time. And so that's what I prayed for those people. You know, I prayed, Lord, you know, if they're facing persecution, protect them, you know, I mean, protect their kids, you know, give them opportunity. I'm just praying. However the Lord leads me, I'm praying for those people. And it's just, it's, I think, changed me. Um, and so just a way to be missional. Um, we don't have quite enough time to go into some of the other ones because I, I want to give you plenty of time um, to get to your next session. Um, if you um, have, you know, questions or anything like that, um, I'll be up here for a few minutes before I need to head to the other um the other session, Um, but anyway, um, I appreciate you coming, Um, does anybody have, we have like two or three minutes, do you have a question, Um, you have one, okay, okay, how many are in my group was the question, I have, um, there are six of us right now, Um, and that varies, you know, typically we will say three to five is the great, a great little sweet spot for a discipleship group, Um, and it is. Uh, but I never get three to five. I'm always more than three or five. I'm always around six or seven. And that really is the cap because for women, I mean, we like to talk and, you know, you, you, you have three or five, you know, you can kind of get everything accomplished, but then you add more to that. And it's hard for everybody to share or, you know, like really feel like you're hearing from each person. So yes. Okay. So her question is, um Her question is, is it an expectation from the forefront that they know that they're going to replicate? Um, and the answer is yes. So in the covenant, it says that I will begin prayerfully considering replicating at the end of our time together. And so we establish out on the forefront. And I tell them when they start to freak out about that, because they will, I don't think I can do this. I'm like, yes, you can. And I'm like, we're not going to worry about that right now. We're going to worry about you, and we're going to just get into our disciplines and our habits and reading God's word. We're going to just do these things and then that will come. And so I tell them, don't, don't really, don't freak out about that. Um, and I did say, you know, at the end of that time, you could have someone that it's not, they're not ready to replicate. That is perfectly fine. I mean, I've had new believers in my groups before and they will go through for a year. And even though we know they're fully capable of turn around and investing in someone else they may just not feel it at that point point. and so one particular lady right before I was leaving Chattanooga I had met with her for a year um, beautiful lady and anyway she was going to join another group from a girl that had been in our same group because she just wasn't didn't think she was quite ready well about three months into it she realizes I'm ready and so she calls me, and I'm like, you go, girl. I'm like, this is awesome. And she is just trekking along. I mean, she is doing so good. And, but they're like one of the girls I told you that had, her husband had abandoned her, um, when it came time for the end of that year, I mean, her situation had not changed. She did not. I told her, you don't need to do this right now. You need someone still just pouring into your life. And for her, the next step was a life group class. She was not connected to a small group. She had been in a D group but had gotten out of a small group when her husband had left. And so I told her, that's your next step right now. You know, we try to keep people plugged into that pathway. And I'm like, life group is where you're going to establish relationships. You're going to have friends there. You're going to make connections. Be in that group for a season. Develop some friendships and then see what happens, you know, over time. But don't feel the pressure that you have to turn around and pour into all these people when you're needing this at this point in time in your life. So that you will encounter that kind of thing. Yes. So her question, yeah, have you ever used an online scripture app? And I'm glad you mentioned app because there's two that I use. But Fighter Verses is, is an online scripture memory. Um, I, you know, you can look it up in whatever translation you want. You can save it to your home screen. So it's like your phone is a flashcard for you. And um, you can review the verses that way. So I do um, use that regularly. Um, Replicate, our ministry, has an app. Um, it has scripture memory in there because it's got some of the reading plans in it as well, and it's an online You can journal online, so it's a all the girls in my group have it and we that's how we journal So I type all my journals. I just type on my phone um, Some right hand write their journals They take a picture of it and it uploads and so we have a private group that only we can see and um, I had them add a way to comment on those because you know sometimes I would read the girls journals and I'd be like oh man I wanted to tell her something about it and so then I can just comment on her journal and so no one else can see that it just stays between us but so I use fighter Verses replicate app for um, online accountability and journaling and then bible.is um, is a app that will read the bible to you and um, kind of like um kind of theatrical in a way you know where they emphasize certain things and that's kind of been neat so sometimes if i'm on the go or you know didn't have as quite as much time i'll listen to it in the car or while i'm putting my makeup on or something it's bible.is and it'll um it's like a drama drama how you say that dramatization or whatever Okay, so question is, um, is accountability more like one-on-one or, or for reading or is it more than that? Like for, And that's a great question. I wish we had a lot more time. So in, really quickly, we are accountable every week for scripture memory, journaling, um, that sort of thing in the round group setting. Um, and then also like sin accountability comes in. So there will be, you know, they will sometimes over that course of that time, they will come to me. They may confess something or what have you, and I will hold them accountable for a season if they're not experiencing victory over whatever it is, no growth is happening, no change is happening, then we'll kind of bump up that accountability level. Um, so I have d- just really quickly two examples. One lady in the group, um, smoke, she was a smoker. I never would have known, um, she, I mean, just never would have known. And she w- had been sick repeatedly, and um, I was meeting with her on the week she was supposed to lead our group. So I was getting with her about some things, And she said, um, we got out of the car. I said, how are you feeling? I said, I feel like you've been struggling with this lately, you know. And she was like, I'm all right. And so we sit down. We have our little meeting. She's like, I've got to tell you something. I said, what? And she said, I've been praying about whether I needed to tell you this. And she said, the first thing you asked me today was how I was feeling, that I had been struggling with this. She would get these bronchitis infections. And she said, "Um, you know, I smoke. And she said, I've been getting this. She had smoked for years and years. And she said, I've, I get these infections, and they're hard to, like, overcome. And she said, I feel like the Lord's been convicting me, and that I need to quit. And I was like, wow. I said, okay. And I said, well, listen, you know, um, I prayed with her. We talked about it. I said, okay, let's put together a plan, you know. So we started trying to come up with a plan how she could cut back and, and eventually quit. And um, I said, you know, she's like, I don't think I'm ready to tell the group. I said, that's fine. I said, you don't have to come and tell the group. I said, um, I would encourage you at some point to – Trust them with this and let them pray for you and help you through it if you can't kick it, you know. And so I never pushed her to say anything. Uh, About two months later, out of the blue, she doesn't even tell me. She comes in. Tells the group. And um, I was just like, wow, you know, transparent, opening up, letting people in, you know. And then they, at any point in time, and she was devastated about this. I mean, you would have thought she had killed somebody. And the girls were like, okay, it's okay. You know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll deal with it, you know. But um, just letting people in. And then they were, everybody was able to call her at any point in time. Are you wearing your patch? Are you chewing your gum? Are you, you know, what are you doing to help, you know, kick it, you know. And so that was a way, you know, online accountability. And then I've had to have one where I've had to ask to leave because um so sexual sin, and it was not, we were not making progress, it was a habitual thing in her life, and um, that was very hard and difficult, it was a lot of tears on that, and um, I asked her, in order to remain in the group, I needed her to come and confess to the group, because we had been handling it one-on-one for months, and it wasn't working, and so I said, the, the ladies need to know, and um, she didn't want to do that, which I, I understood that, but I said, we can't, I can't help you, like I, I, I'm, what we're doing is not working, I need, I, we need the, the group, you grow as a, a group, You either are pulled down as a group, you grow as a group. You're a unit. You're growing together or you're stagnant together. And so, um, anyway, so she ended up not wanting to do that. So she did not come back. Um, We kept in touch with her, obviously, because we loved her very much. And two months later, she said, that was the biggest mistake of my life. I want to come back. And I said, that's fine. You can come back. I want you back. Um, You know, I, I know the Lord's working in your life, but you still have to tell the group. You know, you owe to them to tell them. We're all committed here. And she did. You know, she came back. So, you know, there are... Seasons of very difficult accountability, too, you know, that happened. Um, Well, I know y'all got to go. Um, Thank y'all so much. If you have any more questions, I'll be around.
0: You've been listening to the Disciple Makers podcast. This audio was adapted from the original presentation. Not all live interactions are included. Learn how you can grow as a Disciple Maker by visiting discipleship.org, where you can also register for the next National Disciple Making Forum.